Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. Win of the year? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I, you know, you said was me, Monday the biggest win of the year? You sent me that, and I was like, I still, I know it's been an ongoing bit for us now, but that Knicks win seems just a little more important because of the, the, the cavalry that they didn't have. And the performance on the road, but um, yeah, I mean, this is this is something that this is uncharted territory for Timberwolves fans that have stuck around throughout the decades of disappointment. Is that every game now in March is a playoff game? Like every game is, I can't even imagine what the state of that franchise and the fan base and my own mental health would have been today if they would have dropped a game to the dirty Trey Young Atlanta Hawks on the second night of a back to back. So uh, they avoided a catastrophe last night uh two games in a row now without ant um and more importantly as i'm sure you and i will get into is it's vaulted them to seventh in the west so every game matters yes and this is going to be kind of a shorter uh, we're, we're both well you have an a job you have to like do your job today <laughs> yep, yep. and 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 so we're gonna we're gonna give you like 25 30 minutes on one of the most fun games cat making his return and just some of the different uh, storylines within it but i want to start you off here real quick because we just got done recording mackie and judd and i oh and and Judd, the other day, Judd and I were kind of chirping at each other on an episode because he was saying he just wants more consistency. He wants the Wolves to be more consistent. And if you're going to lose some of these games, you might as well just go and lose a bunch of games and be a 10-win team. And I'm like, wait, are you saying you'd rather them be a 10-win team? They're underachieving, but you'd rather them be like that bad? And he was on, on this little rant, right? I said, so today I said, here's, here's, I agree with you. They're not as good overall as you thought they were going to be. But this team in franchise history has only finished above 500 nine times. Eight times in the era. Let me think here. Seven times in the Kevin Garnett era, they finished above 500. Last year, and then the one year with Jimmy Butler when, when they won 47 games and they went uh, and they played the Rockets the first round. They're 37 and 37 right now. Finishing above 500 in back-to-back seasons and getting to the playoffs for this franchise is an accomplishment as pathetic as that sounds like. And the story is not finished yet. They could still, with Cat coming back, playing like he did last night, 
Anthony Edwards is going to come back. Jade McDaniels is just playing out of his mind right now. There is a chance they could make life hell in the plan and or the seven-game series that they will get to, ideally. I could see them still doing some damage in the Western Conference playoffs if we get that version of Cat going forward. I think we said this the other day, but 34 seasons for this franchise, eight times they won, they won 40 or more games with Kevin Garnett, and then they've only done it without Kevin Garnett four times. So, and you know, not not to counter Judd, but what I've just never understood is this this is a frustrating season. This is a disappointing season. But like, I don't know if this is still a restaurant, but when I used to go to Ponderosa, the buffet, I was like, oh, like mm. tonight's Ponderosa night. Let's go. I have high expectations. And then if the ice cream machine didn't work, like you had to kind of change your like, well, you know, the meal was still good, but there wasn't ice cream tonight. You know, and just got to change and kind of, of pivot and adjust on the fly. It is a disappointing season. But one of the 15 best players from last year has missed 52 games. So I think I, I, I am a Minnesota sports fan. I'm a diehard Vikings fan and Twins fan. But I don't think we are so caught up sometimes in the scar tissues of the past. It's like you should also be able to adjust your expectations a little bit that this team is going to do something. What did you just said it like that they basically never do. And they're going to do it with missing their best player, or one of their two best players for 65, 70% of the season. So uh, yeah, last night was was incredible. It is now tied neck and neck for best win of the season. Um, but the the cool thing is is that there's a couple more games coming up that could beat that, right? Like if they can go into Golden State now on Sunday against a Warriors team that's figured it out a little bit and win that game. Um, again, every win matters moving forward. As you look at, I think between four and twelve in the West is separated by three games. That's crazy. Yes, yes. We'll dive more in uh, for our, our uh, Western Conference playoff picture <laughs> update later. The one thing, so let's talk about Cat. He comes back last let's night, and he was, man, like, the whole the whole thing was a scene. I don't know if I'm with him when he says, he said in the Bally's uh, post-game interview, and then he said at the podium with the assembled media, he, he called it, uh, it's a scene out of a movie. Uh, well, it was a Wednesday night game against the Hawks. I, I, I don't know, he hit a couple free throws. So I, I think it probably took it a little too far in terms of like, oh, it's Hoosiers. Eh, let's get to the playoffs and do it and, and then maybe leave movie. But the one thing I noticed with him last night, and I, I would like this to continue for the sake of the team, he seemed to be playing with a lot of joy and he seemed to not be playing with the weight of the franchise on his shoulders. And I felt all too often, you could sense it in the playoffs last year against Memphis, when he gets into his little like anxiety mode and he's, he's just sort of causing angst and friction and he's arguing with referees and he's trying to do too much on offense. He's barreling into defenders. There's that version of Cat. And when that version of Cat comes out, guys like me start to say things like, would they be better off without that version of Cat? Like, of course, if you get the unicorn joyful version all the time, like that guy is one of the best players in the NBA. That version we saw last night, playing with joy, having fun, not necessarily trying to do everything and not playing with this weird weight and, the, and this sort of heavy feeling. If they can get that version going forward, it's a game changer for the franchise. Am I am I sensing this? Did you sense the same thing last night? I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so glad you started the Carl conversation at the end uh, because we we probably see a little differently on this, but I think we also see very the same on a lot of stuff. He's just a weird guy. Like that's just like Carl Anthony Towns is just kind of a weird superstar, and he says some cringe moments. But I also he's, he's and, corny, right? He's, right, he's corny. Cornball. But the one thing, and I think this is why I'm kind of passionate about this, is like I'm also corny. 
like, look at my tweets. They're all weird and bad. Uh, I wear my emotions on my sleeves. And, like, I think that guy, like you just said, he looked like he was just really happy. And I get some of the criticisms of him. He's never taken this this Minnesota sports franchise to the next level by himself. Um, and on the same vein, like, as a Minnesota sports fan, Phil, we don't see guys, like, Carlton Towns loves to play basketball, and he loves to play basketball at Target Center. And we don't always see that. Like, we don't see guys want to be loyal and stick around, right, especially in this market. So, yeah, you know, the movie thing and some of the other stuff and the way he was – Do you have when he uh, – so the game wasn't over yet. He hits the two free throws, and, and he gets back to the huddle, and he knows at that point that he's not going to be on the floor for the defensive possession. So he's not in the huddle, the scheming X's and O's huddle. And he's just like – Big smile on his face. My work here is done tonight. He's yucking <laughs> it up with some of the other bench guys. And then he stares right into the Bally's camera and he starts like just being goofy. And I'm like, dude, the game's not, there's four seconds left. Your teammates are scheming for a defensive stop here. But it's like, all right, well, if he's going to, if he's going to be joyful and happy, then he's just going to be kind of the and, goofball who scores 25 points. Okay. Cool, man. And, and you know what? Just again, because I think it's important, uh, he didn't punch one of his teammates in the preseason. And he was not shirtless at a strip club in Colorado, right? And he uh, is not attempting to single-handedly ruin my favorite sport, like Trey Young is, by playing non-basketball. Um, so he's just a different cat, no pun intended. But last night, I think you got to give him his flowers a little bit and just be like, he looked like a guy that was really happy to be back on the court after what was, I'm sure, I don't know, man, I sprained my ankle and I can't run for a week. And I'm like, checked into a psych ward. Like, I, I'm sure he was just happy to play basketball again. And... Most importantly, and you were on this, like, they don't win that game without him. They just don't win that game last night without him. Um, so a, a big performance from them, a great performance from Chris Finch, uh, and another just historic performance by my favorite player, Jaden McDaniels. Okay, let's let's get into some of that, too. The, the, the final sequence, right? We went through the cat stuff, but he, he drives. By the way, John Collins. He, John Collins, and you know me, I'm not the Homer officiating guy, as I talked to you about last episode. <laughs> John Collins bodied Carl Anthony Towns and then tried to make it. And they kept showing him when they were doing the replay. He's like, oh, yeah, it's clearly an offensive foul. No, you you bodied Carl Anthony Towns because, yeah. you know, you're three inches shorter and about 40 pounds lighter. And that's fine. Like, he's hard to guard. Um, so he hits the clutch free throws. And then on the defensive side, this is one of my favorite things from the season so far. The end of the last two games. So Monday night against the Knicks. It's a road game. You're, you know, you're, you're trying to hold off a 57-point performance by Julius Randle, who's a big, multifaceted power forward, right? You put Jaden McDaniels on him at the end of the game and absolutely clamps and confuses this outstanding offensive weapon. And he winds up not even getting a shot off, right? He just kind of like, I don't know, he like dribbled it off his foot or something. So Jaden McDaniels, here's the secret. He did this, by the way, a month ago against Luka Doncic. It was him and Ant against Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving uh, in that Dallas game. So two nights beforehand, Julius Randle, power stretch four, 57-point night, put put Jade McDaniels on him, shut down, can't even get a shot off. Then they do the same thing on the inbounds pass against Trey Young. Trey Young couldn't even get loose to get the inbounds pass, dude. And then Rudy Gobert goes, uh, you know, skyscraper on the actual shot. But, like, dude, you, you, could, you couldn't even get the ball to finish the game to put a shot up because Jaden McDaniels is, is uh, clamping so aggressively. You're the first person, I think, that's actually caught that, is that that whole play, come on now, is Quinn Snyder trying to get the ball to Trey Young. Mm -hmm. That's who's supposed to take the shot. 
and Trey just gave up. Like, if you go watch the play again, he tries for three seconds to get open, and he's just like, oh, actually, I'm covered by this 12-foot-4 wingspan. I literally cannot get the last shot. Uh, and it was just impressive. But then everything about his defense, like you said, Monday, hey, can you just go shut down the 265-pound stretch four? And then last night's like, hey, can you now just go guard the 165-pound, like, all-star point guard? Uh, it's incredible. His defense is all defense. Um, but offensively, too, I think he I think he took 14 shots last night. He's only done that. He's done that three times in his last four games. So he's taken on more of an offensive burden. In the 70 games prior to that, he's only taken 14 shots four times. So since Ant went out in Chicago, we've seen another level of Jaden unleashed. And, I mean, last night, it was, you know, Nas leads the team with 26 points. But Jaden's 25 points and his ability to get to the rim and hit threes and do all this stuff was – was incredible. I wanted to say, because this has been going on with our friends Grady and Jim on, on the broadcast, but they're always trying to come up with this nickname. Clamps um, McD. He's Clamps McD. There was a couple last night. Uh, our friend Jake Graffs had the shackle from Seattle, and then someone, I, I, I think all the nicknames are really bad, but there was another one that was the No Space Needle, and I kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> I, got it, I think it's Paul Winkles on Twitter, but the No Space Paul Needle. Paul Winkles. I used, to, I used to intern with Paul Winkles uh, 20 years ago at KFAN, actually. It, it, listen, if, if you have been in the Jaden McDaniels fan club, if you just go to like your, your buddy at the office or at the water cooler and you just say, hey, what about Jaden last night? You're in the club. Jaden's a good enough nickname, um, but I, I just wanted to bring that up. The No Space Needle is like, that might, be, that might be the best one I've had. So shout out to Jake Scraps for, for unearthing that. But uh, he was great last night. Nas Reed was great. And then, not to pivot, but like I kind of want your opinion on it. We haven't talked about it yet. I want to know what you thought about Finch, because I thought Finch had one of his best games last night as a coach. So, well, expand on why. Well, first and foremost, he had that challenge in the third quarter that saved Jaden's night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if Chris Finch has ever challenged a play before the fourth quarter. So he saves Jaden, and not only does he not pick up his fourth foul, he gets a couple free throws. He only hit one, whatever. But Jaden got to keep playing. But I tweeted it out. They're down like 109-101 with seven minutes left in the fourth, and Finch pulls Mike Conley and puts Torian Prince in and just doesn't have a point guard. And, I, and the Wolves went on a 16-4 to run that basically stole that game. Mm-hmm. But it was just, again, it goes back to one of the, you know, the things you and I talked about all summer. The deepest team this franchise has ever had you can just be like, oh, you know what? I'm just not going to play my point guard, and I'm not going to play my you know, best shooting big. I'm just going to throw Nas out there, Rudy, Jaden, Kyle, and, and TP, a lineup that's probably played like three minutes together all season. And it totally worked, and it was fantastic. So I just thought that, and then still you know, getting Carl back in, I'm sure you and I would have had a different thought today if like he would have closed without Carl the whole time. Be like, well, you know, can you can you... Can this big two bigs thing work? Can you close with Carl? He closed with Carl. Carl hits the game-winning free throw. So I just thought it was one of Finch's better games. Uh, the challenge was big. His rotations were really good. Um, he didn't play guys that kill him, right? He just he yeah. didn't. There's some guys on that bench now that have kind of folded, and he didn't lean into those. And he trusted Nas. And Nas was, you know, the kind of secret star of the night. He led the team in points, uh, 11 for 15 from the field. I just thought... I thought it was one of Finch's better games kind of as a manager of, of the whole thing. Yeah, you know, actually at the, the end sequence, so he closed with Carl. Uh, I, I like the plan. It was like the first 20 minutes of the game, it was Carl in, then Carl out for the yeah. next five, and then Carl in. And Carl was not on the court to end the game for that final defensive possession. And I think the fact that Chris Finch has now found a way 
to normalize, hey, we are going to do some random stuff at the end of games here. We're not going to just have this starting five or this yep. group of five on the court. And Cat had no problem with it. It wasn't like Cat was pouting. Cat was literally celebrating, like I said, to the Bally's cameras while the five guys who were going to be on the defensive side were, were scheming and, and drying it up. So if Finch has normalized, hey, guys, you're all super talented, but sometimes we're not going to have Gobert and Cat on the floor at the end of a game on offense and or defense. And if everyone's cool with that, you know, people make such a big deal out of that in the NBA that, oh, if you're not on the court at the very end of the game, well, you know, baseball's been another one of my favorite sports that I've, you know, covered throughout the years. How many times, and the answer is every time, did Jim Tomey get pulled from a game as a, for like a pinch runner or something? How many times do, you know, do slow uh, corner outfielders get yanked from a game and, and you know, they put a speedy defensive replacement in? It happens, like... So if if it makes sense for Cat to not be on the court at the end of the game and Chris Finch has normalized that so that feelings don't get hurt, then that could be big for the Wolves going down the stretch. We've we've talked a lot about the D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley trade and how good Mike's been as just kind of an adult in the room. Um, we've also been pretty critical of Finch. I think he deserves it because I don't. I think overall this season has been maybe not his least successful coaching thing. I just think there's been a lot of weird things with rotations and some of this stuff. And, you know, his ability, inability to, like, maybe get a technical every once in a while to defend his guys. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. something that, if I don't know if you've listened to this one yet, Phil, but uh, Mike Conley was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast earlier this week. Mm. And it's the most we've got to hear from Mike because he is a newly acquired player. But he talked about two things. One of them was just his role in kind of a pseudo contract year. I know he has another year next year, but it's, like, not fully guaranteed and stuff. But that nothing else matters right now and that he's telling the young guys, like, it's not about – he had this really cool thing about how, like, if you're averaging X amount of points, scoring way more points to finish the season isn't going to really move your average up that much. It's all about being selfless for the team and trying to get every win you can. But he also had a really cool note about Finch and, like, Russell's like, what do you like about this guy? Because I've heard some really good things. And he was like, he's not afraid to rip into anyone, and the players respond. And he's like, he'll go at Ant, and Ant embraces it and, like, fuels him. So... Again, we've been critical of Finch, and I think rightfully so, but I thought last night between the challenge, between a weird rotation to when you're down 10 and it seems like the season is falling apart, um, he, he helped them last night just as much, I think, as any guy on the floor. Yeah, I got I to gotta go listen to that podcast now. That's in uh, last night. Like, Mike that Conley's was the, so cool. <laughs> He's just a cool dude, dude. That was the thing about this, too. Last night, that was the first time Carl has played with Conley, and it's the first time he's played with... Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yep. And they were all on the court for chunks of time last night. And that's the first time Conley has played with Towns. It was the first time Conley had played with Ant and Jade McDaniel. So they're just kind of piecing this thing together since the trade deadline on the fly. But, and I've done some just, you know, digging behind the scenes the last couple of weeks, just, you know, being back in Minneapolis and talking to some people with the Timberwolves. And one of the main reasons why they brought Conley in, and they knew they were going to have a scoring gap with D'Lo going away, Cat wasn't back yet, and they'd have to figure that out. But one of the main reasons was they wanted Conley to unlock Cat even further and unlock the relationship between Gobert and Cat on the floor. And uh, last night, I thought Conley did a great job. There were so many times, you know, a handful of times in the first half where he dribbled down. He's not going to dribble the air out of the ball for 15 or 20 seconds. He's going to get into our set, and I'm going to get the ball to Carl Anthony Towns. Here, ball is yours on the wing. Go. Yep. Lower block, go, boom. If the ball comes back around to me and I'm open for a three, boom, I'll knock it down. And by the way, Mike Conley, who was washed up, according to <laughs> some fans that I heard from, is shooting, I think, 42% from downtown since joining the Timberwolves. 
And if his main thought is, how can I selflessly unlock Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, and then when it comes back to me, I'll knock down a floater or a three if I need to. To me, that's the perfect type of fit at point guard. Is it ideal that he's like 36 years old and, you know, could be the could be like, uh, you know, half these players dad? Not necessarily because he's not a long term solution. But like last night was if you just watch the game, Mike Conley was a better fit last night for that team than D'Angelo Russell would have been. And I will stay. And even though they haven't won a ton of games with Conley, like I will stand by that take until Conley's contract runs out in a year and a half. I think you and I also have the same taste in players, and Conley in his last four games has 26 assists and four turnovers. So he's just making plays and not hurting you, right? And again, I think D'Angelo Russell is just a better fit in L.A. He's looked pretty good down there. But Mike Conley, also since Ant went out, I think he's averaging 20 points a game. So the idea that, like you said, that he's washed or that he can't score, he's just he's cerebral. He knows yeah. when—I mean, I think, again, last night they're down maybe 8 or 10, and he— the momentum was really shifting and he went and got fouled shooting a, a three-pointer. Like he just knows when to be aggressive and to make those moments. But he also, like you said, he, he knows how to speak French basically out there on the court. He knows how to get the ball to Carl two seconds sooner so that Carl has a little more time to cook. Um, and then he also just seems there's, there's the Wolves posted a photo and I think it's what you were saying. Carl hits those two free throws. He's walking back and he's just screaming. He's so happy. And well in the distance, you can see Mike Conley is just looking at him like a proud dad. Like he must just be the greatest teammate to have because he's so happy for everyone else. But uh, yeah, they don't win that night last night without Carl. They don't win without Mike Conley, who again was perfect from the free throw line, six assists, zero turnovers. Um, it's just, it's, it's a crazy amount of talent. And Finch is kind of finding ways to, you know, Mike Conley had no problem sitting most of the fourth quarter. They just didn't play without a point guard, and it was mm-hmm. proved to be the right move. So looking ahead, <laughs> it's time for the Western Conference playoff picture update on flagrant howls. All right, so the Wolves have eight games left on their schedule, five road games and three home games. So three straight road games here. They're going to play a Sunday, Monday, day off on Tuesday. So it's three games and four nights against Golden State, Sacramento, and Phoenix four teams that are either aligned or above them in the standing. So this is this is now the biggest road trip of the season. And then when you get back, you get the Lakers who are right there with you in the standing. So here's what it looks like from this is incredible, dude. The <laughs> the, the Phoenix Suns who've now lost a couple games in a row here without Kevin Durant. The Phoenix Suns are the 4 seed and the uh, Jazz and the Pelicans are tied for the 11/12 seed. There are three games separating the Suns, Clippers, Warriors, Timberwolves, Thunder, Mavericks, Lakers, Jazz, Pelicans. Two of those teams will not make the play-in. Right now, the Wolves are tied for the seventh seed, so they are uh, they're two games back of the Suns for the four, but they're only one game up on the Jazz and the Pelicans for the bottom of that grouping. Buckle up, dude. That's all I got to say. If the Detroit Pistons didn't exist as a franchise, the Wolves would be sitting with home court advantage in the playoffs. Like, that's that's how close this is. And again, a lot of teams can do what-ifs, but the beauty of their schedule is, especially we haven't even really mentioned that Anthony Edwards didn't play again last night after it was, you know, he was questionable. Um, but you get three full days off before this little West Coast road trip, um, and hopefully that can get amped back as well. But these next couple nights everyone's going to kind of cannibalize each other. Like there's the Thunder play the Clippers, the Suns or the Lakers play the Thunder. Like there's all these teams in that pack playing each other. So the Wolves can kind of sit back. Um, but you're right. It is uh, last night might've been the biggest win of the season. This is the biggest road trip of the season. And if nothing else, you know, I, 
I don't really care if you watch the games or not or if you like this team or not, but I think we get a little too caught up again in the scar tissue of being like, oh, same old Wolves, same old Wolves. Not a lot of teams that I've watched or covered or whatever have had this like kind of level of heart. And if you're just tuning out because you think the Wolves are going to blow it, I mean, they were, again, one or two shots away last night from losing to a bad Atlanta team, but they just find these little ways to keep scraping by. And I believe it as much as you believe it. I know you've talked about it with Judd as well. Like, if this team can just be one of the 10 best teams in the West to finish the season, I think they're a pretty dangerous out. And we saw it again last night. It's like, oh, we just added this guy that can space the floor and shoot threes and also take dudes off to dribble to, you know, to win the game. So the Western, Western Conference standings is incredible, and I cannot wait to watch basketball these next couple nights and not have an ulcer about whether or not no. the Wolves are going to win. I'm looking at some of the other schedules here. So, like, the Jazz, you're trying to fend off the Jazz and the Pelicans. It would be nice if those, those teams would just go in the tank here. So and the Jazz keep fighting, man. They beat the they beat the Kings and the Celtics back to back at home last week, and then they did lose to Portland. So they can beat anyone, but they do have a really tough schedule. Yes, you say their schedule. Their schedule is crazy. It's a so Friday, Saturday, a back to back against Milwaukee, and then at Sacramento, and then they get Phoenix at San Antonio, which should be a win at Boston, at Brooklyn, Lakers, Oklahoma City, Denver, and Lakers. So it's like basically everyone except for. San Antonio on their schedule is fighting for a playoff spot or is like a top of the Eastern Conference. So here's my question to you. Timberwolves have eight games left. What record over these last eight games has you feeling like, Ooh, like what, what record gets them in the plan? What record gets them the six seed or better? What? So I think in I these, said- in these eight games, I think, I either said this on this podcast or I said it over my tie to my dad last week, but I thought over the final 10 games, the Wolves had to go five and five to make one of the 10 spots in the play. And, and that seems soft, but again, it's because I had looked at the schedule and it's like the Thunder, all these teams play each other like twice more. And like the mm-hmm. Jazz play the Lakers twice more. Well, two of those games are going to be L's for someone. Um, so that was two games ago and now they're two and oh. I think if they go four and four over these next eight, so that would make them 41 and 41. They're locked into like the seven seed. I think they probably need to go five and three because they still play the Warriors. They still play the Suns. Um, so I would put you at 42 and 40. I think that might be good enough for the six seed. But just to make it, I really think if they can just go three and five over the next eight games, they're going to be one of the 10 teams to make it. But I, you don't want to be the nine seed. You don't want to be the 10 seed. Let's pick their schedule. Let's do it. Right now. <laughs> I've been okay. waiting for this moment all my life. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna write this down in my notebook here. All right, so Phil, Kyle, okay, at Golden State Sunday night, win or loss. I'm gonna say a loss in that one. Um, Golden State's great. kind of figured it out a little bit. They've only lost seven home games all year too. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a fairly hard fought loss. Mm-hmm. Okay, then it's a back to back the next night, Sacramento at Sacramento. I'm also going to give that one a loss, and then we'll all melt down on Flagrant Howls on Tuesday um, because the Kings have been beatable more now, and the Wolves have showed you they can go into Beamtown and and beat that team. But I just think it evens out a little bit, and they lose those two. I have them at 0-2 over the next two. I think they come fighting back in that back-to-back, and I think they win win and they split the back-to-back. And then uh, third leg of the road trip on ESPN on Wednesday at Phoenix. Kevin Durant right now, I think, is still doubtful for all these games. I don't know when he's coming mm-hmm. back. 
if he comes back into that one, which would be, I think, Kevin Durant's home debut. He was supposed to debut, but then the ball boy spilled Gatorade on the floor or something. He almost broke his leg. Um, if there's no Kevin Durant in that game, the Suns are low-key bad. Like, they play, I love Josh Okogie, but they play him and Torrey Craig and Bismack. They just play a lot of non-NBA guys. So I have them winning in Phoenix next Wednesday. You know, but there's still something about Phoenix that, and some of these road games get kind of weird, but yeah, you're, it's it's tough. So here's Phoenix's last few without Kevin Durant. They've basically lost uh, five of six. They've lost to Oklahoma City. They lost to, well, Milwaukee, Golden State, Lakers. I think you're right, dude. I think it's a win. I think it's a win. Okay. Let's go uh, back home here against the Lakers. Friday night, NBA TV next week against the Lakers. Austin Reeves has already been awarded six free throws in that game, and it hasn't started yet. But Target Center, according to everyone I talked to last night, like that place was as loud as it was for the playing game, as loud as it was for the Grizzlies game. I think the fans are kind of buying in again. So after a three-game road trip, I think they beat the Lakers. And that's going to that's gonna be such a good game. D'Lo back in Minnesota, Vando mm-hmm. back in Minnesota. Um, but yeah, so that, that brings us to two and two. It's a win for me too, and I got them at three and one right now. So okay. then, then home against Portland on Sunday, April second. I, I would imagine Dame's shut down by then, because um, they, you know, you got to look in the win column now. Like they're like five wins back of the of the Wolves. Um, so if Dame's out, I mean, again, the Wolves could, the Minnesota Timberwolves could lose to the Iowa Wolves on any given night, but I think they beat that Blazers team, especially because they know that it's so meaningful now. Okay, I don't think Dame is shut down by that point. And I think oh. this is I don't think the Wolves have just like turned a magical corner altogether. I think this is a classic Wolves lose lose an inexplicable home game after you've <laughs> I know, like built that. Some okay. momentum. So they're gonna lose that game. So we're so both at three and two. Yep. Okay. Which brings us back to the road here at Brooklyn. Tuesday, April fourth. Um that that's that's a loss. I, I, I don't think Brooklyn is the world beaters, but I just they, they match up pretty difficult with the Wolves. It is on the road. Uh, I just have a weird again, like you said, they haven't flipped this switch to now they're the you know the 2020 Warriors. Um, so yeah, that's a loss. So I have them at three and three. I agree, it's a loss. I think they're losing that game. And then uh, on the roads, so you have a back to back to end your season after three days off at San Antonio. They're gonna win that game, right? If they lose that game, I will drink bleach. Like I, I don't <laughs> understand how the, the the Spurs are really trying to tank. They have been feisty, but they're starting guys. Like Keita Bates Diop, Wolves fans will remember him. They're starting a bunch of guys that's like, if you don't really put the pedal down for that one. So yeah, four and three going into your final game at home on Sunday. Against the Pelicans, who may be fighting for a playing spot still because they're right there on the outside. So that could be that could be a big one for both for both teams. It could it it I've been thinking about this since like February, is that Sunday, April 9th at home, it's a matinee game against the Pelicans could have some game 82 vibes of when the Wolves played the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Like that might be a game where one of those teams is playing for the six seed or how one of them is playing for the 10 seed. So um, that was a fun exercise. Well, I think we're both saying now. So you're, you're, I'm giving a them a win. Yep, yep. Yep. So we both have five and three, which okay. means they would be four. Let's see here. 42 and uh, 40. 42 and 40. The ninth time in franchise history that the Timberwolves would have finished above 500. That's right. Get the flag. And that concludes your Western Conference <laughs> playoff picture update on Flagrant House. All right, we got to run. You got a you got a, a job to go do, and uh, I have a I don't know. I guess a meeting to get to here. So there's your 30 minutes of jubilation from last <laughs> night's the latest stop on the Wolves roller coaster ride. 
this season. And uh, yeah, we'll probably hit you early next week, Monday or Tuesday, for the next Flagrant Howls, my friend. Appreciate you. All right, uh, that's a wrap. Your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls. Please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple.